0: Earth cache is a kind of geocache that is used in a, a national park. So it's illegal, um, obviously, to leave anything in a national park, and it's against sort of the geocaching code of ethics to do that. So they have what they call an earth cache, which means you can prove that you've been to a place by saying that you saw a certain thing. So somebody will say, I, I saw a mark on a tree. And if you've been there, what's the mark on the tree? And only the people who've been there can answer the question. Then you take a picture that you've been there and you and you log that, etc. One of the um, most interesting and memorable of these, and probably least visited, is on the top of Mount Everest. And it's called Roof of the World. And then the Roof of the World um, geocache, you get up there and you answer three questions. On the peak, you see something different. What? Number two, what is written in the mark? Number three, what are the most important continental plates and who developed the theory? So there, I suppose there's a plaque or something that you can get to and read that. I think that's kind of cool. Um, All I've seen is a a Pinterest picture of a guy who got up there. Looks very tired and I think quite wealthy. Um, If you happen to jump up there, uh, do send us some kind of proof that you've been there. Um, and the weird things that you see on the peak or whatever it might be. Geocaching Scripture. Welcome to Geocaching Scripture. If you don't know, geocaching is a sort of rarefied sport hobby of finding these little treasures um, in different parts of the world, like the one I just talked about on Mount Everest. Um, There are some that are on the bottom of lakes. There are some that are in islands and all sorts of different places all over the world. And it's basically just a treasure hunt. There's usually nothing of, of real uh, monetary value inside a geocache, but it's a kind of a treasure hunt to enjoy the hunt itself and enjoy the search and take the old world and make it into something new, into some sort of discovery. And to me, this comes across as this great metaphor for what's happened with my relationship with the Bible as I've gotten older. Growing up in the church, um, I was evangelistic as they come. I think my earliest memories are in flannel graph. Um, you know, I remember, I mean, this time of year, memories of those harvest parties when we'd have a spooky anti-Halloween harvest party and turn on the candles and read some Frank Peretti novels. And um, anyway, yes, as evangelistic as they come. Um. And I've been in the scripture so long, I've read so much about it, I've read so much of it, that I get a case of the yeah, yeah, yeahs. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, I've read that, I know that. Um, and that's not the way I want to relate to scripture. Um, and through seminary, through reading good books, through patience of good teachers, um, I've been able to find um, these little treasures of language, interpretation, story, culture, all sorts of things that have brought sort of the treasure hunting, the geocaching back into my relationship with the Bible. And uh, I kind of want to take some of these out of the dusty sort of dull academic libraries where a lot of them are found and put them in the hands of people who just love scripture. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. Anyway, that's enough introduction. Thank you. My name is Josh McDonald, um, and I am broadcasting to you from a blanket fort. I feel like that's important to know. Um, I don't have a soundproof studio. Um, I I put myself in a closet and put a blanket over my head and broadcast these tidbits out to you. Um, I have three kids, and they pretty much own the house, and I hide from them as best I can um, to some time to myself, and I thought I'd spend that with you. So, here I am from the Blanket Fort, and let's look at a couple of scriptures today. Um, Crack open your Bibles to um, Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he sat down. His disciples came to him. Matthew 5 verse 1. Now, recognizing, of course, that framing, that is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes into his most famous sermon including the Beatitudes, including all sorts of sayings that that a lot of us know by heart, a lot of us are so embedded in our culture that we don't even know where they came from. Um, Blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, all these different sayings of Jesus that have come to us in his most famous sermon. So, Sermon on the Mount, there he is on the mountain, giving this sermon, and that's most of the pictures of this particular episode you will see on some kind of mountain or hill. Um... That, of course, has to do with the thematic framing of Matthew. Uh, Matthew was trying to cast Jesus as new Moses. So Jesus coming to them and continuing that story of uh, Jewish history, of Hebrew history, and being the long-awaited Messiah. Matthew spends a lot of his time and energy talking about Jesus in this way. And casting Jesus in this particular frame. So putting him on a mountain is is no big surprise. Because what did Moses receive on the mountain, of course? Mount, he received the Ten Commandments. Jesus is, is offering further commentary on um, what it means to be the people of God. It's no surprise at all that uh, Matthew would send him up on a mountain to do so. And let me look at another scripture quickly. Luke six verse seventeen, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people. Luke six seventeen, he came down with them on a level place. This is what's called the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus goes into very much the same sermon. The wording is slightly different, and that's another story altogether. Um, there are libraries of books written on that. But look at the initial framing. You see Matthew. Jesus on the mount. Jesus, the new Moses. Fulfillment of Israel's hope. Luke, bring Jesus on a plane. And then you look into the thematic framing of Luke. Luke is very much an economic writer. He writes about the coming together of all classes and the fact that there is no rich and poor and there's no disconnection. And Jesus is talking about being right there among us. And so it's no surprise at all that Luke would frame it on the plain. Jesus standing eye level with people, not above them, not away from them. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, emphasizing Jesus as the new Moses. Jesus as the fulfillment of Israel's hope. Sermon on the Plain in Luke, emphasizing Jesus our brother. Jesus who is among us. Emmanuel, God with us down on the same plane with us. And that's that's kind of our geocache for today. There is a, sor- a small sidebar on this. Um, if you grew up in a tradition like I did that puts a very, very strong emphasis on inerrancy, it can become an issue for you. Um, inerrancy meaning that the Bible is without error. Um, as an inerrant. Um, and so you'd say, okay, well, what happened here then is, is which one happened? Which one happened? Because it's always looking back to, okay, what's the actual story behind it? Um, And if one of them is messing around with the atmosphere of the story, isn't that kind of a problem for inerrancy or a problem for accuracy? Um, And you have to look at that. I think you have to revisit your doctrine of inerrancy a little bit. Um, Make sure your doctrine of inerrancy is robust enough to deal with issues like this. So going to see them all around uh, the Gospels, especially the Gospels um, place things in different order according to thematic elements. John uses light and dark in different places according to thematic elements. And on the one hand, you could say that in inerrancy, um, with inerrancy, that, that Luke chose this particular episode, and it actually happened absolutely just as he said and that Matthew chose another episode, and they happen on two different days in two different places, same sermon. Not not a surprise at all. Jesus preached for three years. He probably used the same material over and over. Who knows? Um, You could also take it a step to genre-informed inerrancy and say that the gospel writers could work within these atmospheric details in chronological details and move them around according to theme. So it's not really that uh, this is an error, but that it is moved around according to the theme within the genre, within something that the genre lets you do. And there's a whole spectrum here, absolutely. You have those Christians who who would say that um, inerrancy should not be foregrounded, infallibility should be foregrounded, God's authority in Scripture should be foregrounded, rather than looking around and trying to iron out all these little wrinkles that sometimes appear. So on that side, you you might emphasize authority over inerrancy, people like C.S. Lewis and Peter Enns, uh, institutions like Fuller. Um, And then on the other side, where you have inerrancy, and this has got to be ironed out, there's a way to iron it out. Um, You have other theologians, strong traditions like Francis Schaeffer, Norman Geisler, those kind of things. And you're going to have a conversation in the midst of these people. There's a spectrum here. And none of them mean a particular disrespect or undermining of the power of God's Scripture at all. They're just trying to work with what's there and come to the right conclusions. It's a conversation that still goes on. Absolutely. However the details come together, this is the Scripture we have. This is the Word of God we have. We have Matthew emphasizing a connection to the epic history of redemption. Luke emphasizing... The end of division and oneness in Christ despite socioeconomic status. Both of those things are good news. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Plain. Listen to the sermon itself. And see how God will be hiding geocaches in your life today. How God will be hiding geocaches in his will for you today. And let scripture have its own dimension. Because it's there. Okay, enough preaching, we are geocaching. If you happen to go up the mountain and find the geocache there, please send me a picture. Other than that, have a great week. Atu mana. Cheers.